Liam Knife and Fork. A podcast of the food. And uh, welcome Why don't to... you tell people what is happening? Sure. So yeah. if, if, uh, if you are not a Patreon member, you normally don't get access to this or the other uh, shows that we do beyond our movie podcast, right. Linoleum Knife. But this week, we're giving you all a taste. We're giving you free samples of the Patreon shows in the hopes that maybe, oh, I don't know, you might want to become a Patreon member. So Maybe, maybe you want that. I'm Alonzo Duraldi, and he's Dave White. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, if you know us from, if you're getting this on your feed because you listen to Linoleum Knife, a podcast at the cinema, yep. uh, now you get to hear two film critics uh, expound about food. Right. And maybe your next thought is, why? <laughs> because. Because we like it. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, this show came into existence because of listeners. Yes. When we first started uh, the Patreon, we only had LKTV attached to it. That seemed like a natural lateral move. Sure. Media-wise. As cultural, you know, critics. And and both of us had written for various outlets in the past about television. Sure. So it felt, you know, definitely within our scope. Of you know what we'd done with our careers, yeah. But one of the things that sort of organically grew during Linoleum Knife, the film podcast, was pretty much at any given moment we are digressing into the topic of <laughs> food, something we've eaten recently, something you're preparing, something I'm preparing while the show is happening. Like I can't count the number of times that I have interrupted the show, made him pause the recording so that I could go tend to something on the stove or check something that's in the oven, roasting or baking or whatever. And eventually, uh, a couple of listeners said, you know what, if you were going to ever do another podcast of a different topic, I would like it to be just about all the things that you're cooking, all the things that you're talking about with each other when it comes to food. And we also happen to have in our life uh, food professionals and food writers who just happen to be, you know, part of our life. And so they inform that sh- this, this show as yeah. well. Um, and so it just became a natural thing to do. Uh, now, having said all of that, each episode I tend to talk about one or two or more recipes that I have recently tried, things that I'm figuring out. There is none of that that's going to happen in this particular episode. I'm (laughs) apologizing in advance if you wanted to hear, oh, what about that thing you're going to make? Or what about that thing you made the other day? We've been preparing for Alonzo to leave for the Venice Film Festival. And so that has meant a flurry of activity, uh, but very little cooking having happened in the home. Like we've been ordering in uh, ribs <laughs> and salads. So this episode is a smorgasbord. What, 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 what's the what's the metaphor it's a, here? It's, it's it's an empty table. Like it is <laughs> the the most important the most interesting thing that's happened to me this week was that I learned that the uh, the salad chain restaurant tender greens and i don't know how how far their reach extends but we have the 
a lot of them in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and they deliver. And they have a chicken, a Southwest chicken ranch salad on their menu that I just gave a try this week and decided, oh yeah, this is my new, <laughs> this is my new thing from them, because, you know, it's a salad place, right? And you can get a lot of ricey, bready, carby things attached to your salad, but this is not one of those. Gotcha. This was their least carby thing, and I am currently in the process of having to doctor-mandated lose weight before some hip surgery. And so I've been very, very, very strict with the carbohydrates and the sugar. Um, if Tender Greens is in your area and you haven't tried the uh, the Chicken Ranch Southwesty salad... You could do worse. Mm. Yeah. So there's a guy that I follow on YouTube, and he's a home interiors guy. Uh-huh. And he's a chatty Canadian gay with a lot of opinions, about 60% of which I do not agree with. But, <laughs> okay. But I find him entertaining. Sure. His name is Nick Lewis. And, uh, and he was talking about kitchens on a video that I just saw recently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's really addressing homeowners and people with bigger kitchens than the one we have. Sure. Like, we live in an apartment in a building that was built in 1955. And our kitchen is small. It's not a tiny, narrow galley kitchen like you see in some teeny tiny apartments. Yeah. Or the literal closet-sized kitchenette of friend and neighbor Gary Cotty, who True. lives two blocks away and it's a he lives in a big studio, but with like barely a kitchen. It's what they used to call a bachelor apartment. Yes, yeah, assuming that of the a kitchen. Ba- assuming that the bachelor never cooked anything. Yeah. A question of kitchen. <laughs> um, by those standards, our kitchen is large. I would call it maybe twice the size of a galley kitchen. A you can turn around kitchen. in it. You can turn around. <laughs> More than one person can be in it at a time yes. helping, although you are not allowed to come in the kitchen and help me if I am in the kitchen doing something. Unless I call you in specifically for a very specific helping act. Yes. Um, but anyway, back to Nick Lewis and his videos. Yes. You're talking about all these ways to make your kitchen look more polished, more expensive, better, prettier. Just the look of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And my thought was, well, no. Yeah, that... <laughs> my kitchen is a work. It's a functional. It's a workstation. Yeah. Is there a gorgeous mid-century toaster on my shelf, <laughs> on my counter? There is. Do I like looking at it? I do. And so does everyone else. It's true. It is the beauty queen of toasters from 19... 19- Whatever, 62, yeah. I guess. Um, that toaster is an Instagram thirst trap. There's, it is. It has been, in fact. Uh, there is also a 20-year-old uh, breast cancer charity pink KitchenAid stand-up mixer. Mm-hmm. Also very pretty. And so, you know, the counters themselves are a wonderful yellow tile. The counters themselves date from 1955, and they are that era's shade of pastel yellow with a brown uh, and yellow uh, grid patterned tile pattern on the The backsplash and the walls. So, those are, you know, vintage marvels that I'm so happy that we 
got that we get to live with yeah. because no one renovated this this place. Yes. Anyway, uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at our kitchen, and I'm listening. I'm watching his video, and I'm thinking, "No, dude, there's nothing. This is a workplace, yeah. and there are some cute things in it because, you know, they also happen to be functional. They they also happen to be functional, and I have you know, let's just call it what it is: perfect taste. <laughs> and <laughs> but he is telling you on this video about ways to make your kitchen look better, and. He's talking about upgrading your faucet hmm. to a like a fancier one. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't upgrade my faucet. I wait until the faucet that we're using springs a leak or becomes ruined in some way. And then I call the landlord and I go, hey, <laughs> send Carlos over, please, to help us with a new faucet. And she does. He goes to Home Depot. He buys the cheapest version of whatever <laughs> it is, is out there. He attaches it to the sink. Boom, we have a new faucet. Three years later... I call her again and go, hey, that cheap piece of garbage that Carlos got at Home Depot, we need another new cheap piece of garbage. Carlos comes out and fixes it, puts it in. We're there right now. We are there right now. We've sprung a leak. And yes. I, have to call, I have to call her this week and be like, hey. You tied a dish towel around the leak, and now our sink looks like uh, uh, Jacob Marley. <laughs> yes. I hadn't thought about it like that, but you've always got Jacob Marley on the on the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, he also recommended under shelf, uh, under cabinet lighting, so that your counters have a gentle, well lighted like glow. <laughs> and you know what? That kind of appealed to me because what we have currently is a a 1955 overhead yes. fixture. Uh, Incandescent bulbs, or whatever the approximation of those are in 2023. Uh, And it wouldn't be terrible to have a little bit of gentle light under the cabinets shining down on the the counters. When we we open the cabinets, with some frequency, we have to like use the flashlight on our phone. No, 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 no. Not not, not lights inside the cabinets, although he did recommend that too. If that's what you really want, you don't. I'm just saying an under-counter light would give a little... No, I'm sorry. Under-cabinet. So you're, I'm talking about the cabinets that are above the counter oh, so that the lights would shine oh, down on, on the, the counter. counter. I think that, okay. would be, that would make it cozy, I yeah. think. But it wouldn't be necessary. In the kitchen? So we will probably never do sure, it. Sure. No, in the kitchen I grew up in, there was a separate lighting fixture yeah. under the cabinets yeah. in the corner where we had the KitchenAid... Install, you know, the... No, what are you talking about? Oh, th- there's a KitchenAid where, like, they put the motor in your counter. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I remember that. that. I do remember it because I've been in the old house one yes. time, two times maybe. And I remember seeing it in the cab- in the counter and thinking, I have no idea what this is. Yeah, that was mom's sort of corner for, like, because the that's where the KitchenAid was and she would then plug in Got whatever it. external blender or mixer thing. Got it. So she had a separate little light Was the house new when your corner? family bought it? Oh, there had been one previous uh, family living there. Got it. Got it. So that was already in there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess oh, they, they moved in three years before I was born. So I right. I see. You. I understand. Um, then, uh, and then he talks about like extravagant things that only if you're a homeowner do you want. Mm-hmm. He's talking about paneling all of the appliances except for the stove so that there's this uniform, like minimal sort of <sighs> visual thing going on. 
Uh, and I thought, what? Who? Why? That's like that. Uh, that's this is short apparently a show. very a very commonplace thing in European kitchens. Really? Yeah, like it's just a run of the mill normal thing, but it doesn't happen a lot in the U.S. Or it might be happening more and more now. But he's talking about it like, oh yes, everyone should do this. I was like, no. <laughs> 1955 rental. We're not doing that. Um, and then there's a thing that people are calling the appliance garage, where it's kind of like literally a lift-up, roll-back panel in front of your mixer and toaster and coffee mm-hmm. maker and blah, 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 all that stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to hide that pretty toaster behind a wall. <laughs> Heaven Again, it's a 1955 rental, and I'm not spending any kind of money to renovate anything. No. That's not my job. <laughs> We don't even have a dishwasher. <laughs> Here is the one current trend that I did not know about, but we have always had. Oh, what's that? Art in the kitchen. Ah. Apparently, that's a new thing. Okay. Apparently, people are doing it. Interior design people are doing it now. Welcome putting, to the party, pal. They're putting art in the kitchen, and we've always had it. Yeah. We have a narrow strip of wall between the entry to the kitchen and the first cabinet. And from the moment we moved here, I placed these three small paintings in between on that space. It's about a foot long space. So these are, as I said, these are very small paintings. And you can do it too. And here's how. The artist that we have the three paintings by, it's all the same guy. He's a guy named Steve Keen, K-E-E-N-E. And he's, uh, I guess he's in his 60s now. And for the past 30 years, he has been doing a very Warholian thing where he individually paints about a dozen, two dozen, three dozen identical-ish paintings, like in his own one-man assembly line. He sets up a string of canvases. They are not canvases. They are generally uh, pieces wood. of board. Yeah. Yeah. And like those three in the kitchen are pieces of board. I meant it in the metaphor. Yeah. Sense, but yes, you're right. If you know his work, it is because you have seen it and you did not know it was him. He has done some well-known album covers, uh, most notably for Pavement. Hmm. And who else? I'm blanking on who else, but that's not important. So in the night, he's been around since the nineties, therefore pavement. <laughs> um, but the, uh, he, his, he has done as, as an artist, lots of recreations of classic album covers. And so quite often, if anyone, you know, has a painting by him, it is most likely going to be a vintage classic album cover or a portrait of a musician or artist. And here's the wild thing about how he has been doing this for the past 30 years. All of it is super inexpensive. His whole thing has always been, I want to make unique paintings that you might share in common with a few dozen other people. All of them are the same subject and the same visual content. Like, let's say, let's say he took a... a, a, the Rolling Stones' Rubber Soul, which he probably has. Yeah. I mean, the Beatles' Rubber Soul, which he probably has, and made like 30 of them. Each one of them is a little different because each one of them is his individual brushstrokes. Yeah. But there are maybe three dozen of his Beatles' Rubber Soul 
mock-up album cover paintings out there in the world. Uh, I that, looked. I looked at it. Yes. He did uh, pavement, silver Jews, and the apples in stereo. Okay. Yes, the apples in stereo is the one that I was thinking that I was looking at in my head and couldn't remember the name of the band. And did you know there's a book of his stuff that came there out? There is last a book summer. of his stuff that came out. Um, but the, here's the most important part. Yes. Cheap. Yes. Inexpensive. His whole deal was I want people to be able to afford to buy it, and I'm talking about in the early '90s, up through the mid 2000s. You could get a painting from him for under 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah. Like the price that you would spend on a, a, a concert a, t-shirt. A concert t-shirt or a couple bottles of cheapy wine or whatever. You could buy a, a painting, a unique painting that visually might be in common with a few dozen others scattered around the world. And you could get it cheap. So the three paintings that are hanging up in the kitchen right now, cumulatively, total, combined, because I bought them in the year 2000, they cost, the three of them together cost under 30, under $50. Like the most expensive one, I think it was 20, and the other two were like 10 each. There was a gallery in West Hollywood that was called Dirt. <laughs> it no longer exists. Uh, but the woman who ran it was a big fan of his, and she would just pull in a bunch of them. You could go to dirt on any given day and have your pick of a bunch of different Steve Keen paintings for under 50 bucks. Mm. Like the big ones cost a little more. Sure. But some of them are, were really small. Um, and I, I, love, I love this guy, and I love his whole process. And... He sells it directly to people uh, through his website or through eBay. I can't remember now. Mm -hmm. what, but, you know, there are small galleries that will sell you his work as well. I don't know who he, who he works with in terms of, like, little independent galleries, but he does it. So we've been doing that forever. Yeah. And I would say if you have a kitchen where you are concerned about steam or splatter. Steve Keen is the guy for you because you can just wipe it down. <laughs> Or I, I think the, another way to go about this is like if you find a set of really cool like ceramic coasters that you right. think are really visually interesting, yeah. you could very easily like put a little hangy thing on the back of a them hangy thing. or put them in yeah. some kind of brace that you could then hang on the wall. Go buy one hangy thing. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. In the last episode, or maybe the la episode before last. I talked about the eggs. Yes. Yeah. You, had a, you left us on a cliffhanger. I did. <coughs> uh, in the past few years, you may have noticed this. I didn't notice it as a trend, but I just noticed it as a, as a thing that was happening. In like videos? Like no, in life. Okay. The good, fancy, expensive eggs, and we talked about this last time, I know, where people are like, okay, so you buy the cheap pasta and the cheap beans, but you also buy the $10 a dozen eggs because those are the best fancy eggs. And I was like, yes, because in my head, those are the good eggs. And I might have been 50% correct mm. because I've been buying eggs from, what is it? I think it is Vital Farms. Yeah, Vital Farms. Yeah. Um, and, and their eggs have... Really orange yolks. And the color association and the marketing of the of the orange yolks is that those 
orange yolks are the good yolks. They have the good fats. They have the vitamins. They have the protein. They have all the things that come with a chicken that has been raised outside of a warehouse or outside anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a chicken that gets to roam around, a chicken that is not, not in a cage, not stacked on top of other chickens, and, you know, a, 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 a mechanical producing process creature. Right. Vital Farms, I'm speaking specifically of them because that's the brand that we've been buying. Uh, I don't know that they put marigold and turmeric into their feed, but a lot of these new, you know, good, in quotes, eggs producers are doing that to enhance the color of the yolk, conveying a sense of, well, this is one of those farm-to-table eggs. Oh. <laughs> you know, this is one of those... Free range pasture, you know, happy, happy, fat, grass fed ladies roaming around, getting the bugs out of the compost bin, and you know all that stuff. So they're gaming the system. I don't know that Vital Farms does but this. Some people, but, are but the some of them are doing this. And there's a whole article that I wrote. That I, I, no, I did not write it. <laughs> I read it. I yes. read this whole article. Which was almost as difficult on Eater uh, from Marion Bull, and the name of the article is "Orange Is the New Yolk." And so I pulled the Vital Farms package out of our fridge mm -hmm. after the last egg was gone, and I just looked at it. And I looked at what it said, and all the things that it says are, like, in small places, pat all around the, the package. The, and these eggs always come with, like, a little leaflet, even. It's not even they just do. The they come with a little piece of paper they explaining have, even more got things. so much to tell you. But here's what it says on the package. And I hadn't actually ever really... <laughs> I have never sat and read the eggs. Read in detail the package. But it's not like a breakfast cereal box where you're just blankly staring at it in the morning. Uh, Vital Farms, pasture-raised, tended by hand, small family farms, happy hens, ethical eggs... Freedom to forage outdoors year-round, made with fresh air and sunshine, uh, laying it 108 on square feet per hen on rotated pastures, see a farm where these eggs were laid, and they have a stamp on the side that says Rusty Feather Farm, and I went to the Rusty Feather Farm website, mm -hmm. and they show you a video of the hens all, like, running around, being all like, cluck, 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 <laughs> happy, almost like, almost like cartoon. Are they flirting like, with Foghorn Leghorn? They are all flirting with Foghorn Leghorn. Uh, certified Humane. Certified B, California SEFS compliant, uh, distributed by Vital Farms, Austin, Texas, and they give all these, you know, uh, codes underneath it. 100% um, compostable package, keep, refriger keep refrigerated at or below 45 degrees. Uh, then you open up the package, you've got all the nutritional information. Again, there's the link to the farm where you, where you got it. Uh, the instructions on how to go to the page and look at the 360-degree view of the farm. They are into the idea of you feeling like you are connected. The sourcing of it all. To the sourcing of it all. So, this all came about because in the late 20th century, there was what 
Marion Bull calls a yoke phobia <laughs> in the United States that began in the 1950s when the biologist and physiologist, a man named Ansel Keys, he sort of popularized the idea that high levels of cholesterol increased the risk of heart disease. And then there was a study called the Framingham Heart Study that kind of cemented this idea. Mm -hmm. And the 1960s, the relationship between cholesterol and cardiovascular disease had been established. Then they started creating, scientists and farmers began creating these low cholesterol eggs, egg whites, strictly egg mm -hmm. whites sold in cartons. Now here's a quote from the article. As early as 1959, right, mm -hmm. the American Heart Association was saying that villainizing cholesterol in eggs was unjustified from existing scientific evidence and is depriving persons of a very good product. Hmm. But nobody listened. And so we had to have those, the incredible edible egg yeah. ads. Well, what we also had to have was a lot of people insisting on egg whites only. Yes. Egg white omelets. You mm -hmm. could just get one of those anywhere. Yep. I remember there was a diner in our neighborhood called Eat Well that uh, existed for a good 10 to 15 years uh, while we, after we first moved here. Yeah. You'd go there on a Saturday, Sunday morning for, for breakfast, and at any given table right next to you was some gay bodybuilder eating the egg white omelet, the white chicken breast, mm -hmm. uh, steamed and, broccoli. and steamed broccoli. That was their... Oh, and brown rice. And brown rice. That was their power, power uh, gay <laughs> fitness breakfast that was on the menu. And we would always look at it and go... Pancakes, please. Yes. Yeah. French toast with extra syrup. Yeah. Thank you very much. But then the chefs uh, to the rescue came to the rescue and they began the whole, you know, farm to table movement and the rehab of the yolk. And over time, the orange color of the yolk became associated with free range hens, hens that were free to run around outdoors and actually eat the things that they are meant to eat. Mm -hmm. Um. And you started seeing a little bit more and more of that, you know, in food media, you know, the orange yolk is very photogenic, you know, the rise of ramen as a popular sort of mm. fast food in the United States. What do they all come with? That egg floating on top. That, that half an egg with like the jammy orange yolk. Oh, right. Yolk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, you know, it's the, not a hard boiled egg. It's, it's a, it's a, ha it's a soft boiled egg with a very gorgeous sort of runny yolk, yeah. but more like a gooey, gooey yolk. Yeah. yeah. Um, By the way, do you know that McDonald's now makes a, an egg white McMuffin? Well, they're from the 90s. <laughs> so, uh, but now you go and you see all these eggs everywhere that are full of the information that I just read to you off the Vital Farms package. Mm -hmm. And the story, the narrative now is well, these eggs are not like those garbage eggs right. that are made from a factory farm that are with animals that have been, you know, that are diseased, that the eggs have been washed to and sterilize bleached. them. <laughs> they have, you know, squoezed out as many eggs as they can from these, like, poor dying hens. Yes. Um, but it doesn't matter. What egg you get, the minute it is washed and refrigerated, it begins the dehydrating process. <laughs> that is why you think that even, that is why people think that, you know, an egg in a fridge is forever. It is not. Mm -mm. The longer you wait, the less good it's going to be. And your best bet 
if you want the kind of egg that people are sort of sensually attracted to now <laughs> is go to a farmer's market where the farmer is like right there yeah. and they can explain to you what they do and where they get those eggs, yeah. how they produce those eggs. Because if you can that's get That's not what everybody gets to have. If you can get an egg straight from the source that hasn't been like, you know, super scrubbed, yeah. like eggs can live on the counter, right? They can. Raw eggs? Yeah. It's only because of the processing that happens. Of removing in the that US. protective thing from exactly. the yolk. Yeah. So the deal is this everybody doesn't have a farmer's market. And even if they do, sometimes those farmer's markets are not, you know, the farmers who are, you know, doing the whole, you know, we really let small our, batch. We <laughs> let our, we hit, we know the names of all our birds, you right. know, like that kind of thing. Um, so what's happening is those eggs, the ones that people are clamoring for, who want fancy, mm -hmm. good, you know, the top of the line egg, they are willing to pay like premium money for them. When I say the the $10 a carton egg, what I'm really saying is that they're about $7.99, $8.99 a carton. Yeah. Uh, the Vital Farms ones, at least at our local supermarkets. And that to me is still a crazy amount of money for eggs, but also I was sold. I was marketed to and I bought it. Um, I don't actually know if Vital Farms is a better egg than the cheapy ones that you could get at Ralph's. Yeah, I don't I, know. I don't know either. And I know like but you can like, buy the Vital Farms ones at Ralph's and you can buy the cheapy ones you, at Ralph's. You go too. to Costco, you can get one of those like pallets of like, I don't know, 48 yeah. eggs, but they're but they're all like blindingly white. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, where it's Easter egg time. Yeah, these yeah. eggs that we get, you know, the the Vital Farms are like brown and kind of speckly and yeah. they they at least they're not all the they're not all uniform. Yeah, they provide yeah. the sense that this is coming from somewhere a little more organic, you know. So, um there's a company called Happy Egg, uh, and they are introducing more and more the idea of the, uh, have you ever heard of a black copper marin? Tell me more. Okay, this is an expensive breed. Hmm. Expensive to maintain. Of hen. Uh, of hen. Okay. Expensive to maintain, but they provide that Martha Stewart kind of looking egg. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, they lay fewer eggs. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, they are really delicious. I've never had one. But they are, they come at a premium. Mm. So, uh, according to the Happy Egg website, who, who does some business with the Black Copper Marin, M-A-R-A-N. Mm -hmm. uh, chicken is, uh, they have contracted, this is a quote from the article, family farmers that raise copper marins for the orange-yoked heritage eggs and speckled leg bar hens for the blue-shelled eggs. Now, those are also the Martha Stewart-y ones. Right. Uh, Martha Stewart has, oh, dang, what's the name of her? She talks about this all the time. Arocon... I think that's the, please don't quote me on this. I'm, I don't have the word in front of me, but Martha Stewart has made an Instagram and media empire <laughs> out of her luxurious 
hen houses mm-hmm. and the eggs, all the multicolored eggs that her various breeds of heritage. Oh, yeah, you, she'll have like this basket of eggs and they're all different they're shapes blue, and sizes. And they're like and green and they're dark brown and they're yeah. these golden maroon eggs, you know. Um, anyway, they raise copper marins for the orange yolked heritage eggs and speckled leg bars for the blue shelled eggs and give them, quote, a specialized and more premium feed. The Happy Egg website points out how, quote, spoiled their, quote, egg-laying queens are, <laughs> roaming and eating, quote, tasty bugs near play kits and swings. Apparently there are little playgrounds for the chickens. I don't know. If you are unsure of the results of this that this environment creates, you can now visit a page through Happy Eggs called Nine Pictures of Heritage Egg Yolks That Are Undeniably Sexy. <laughs> Martha Stewart even developed a line of paint color based on the shells of the eggs that her chickens mm. lay. She, she's not one to leave money on the table. <laughs> uh, and now it would appear that the next wave mm. is not just a rehabbing of the yolk, but the rehabbing of the hard-boiled egg. I love a hard-boiled egg. There's another quote directly from the article. Lingo, a new Japanese-American restaurant in Brooklyn, serves a smoked tamago sando, which arrives as delicate rectangles of egg salad sandwich topped with bold lines of salmon roe. Chef Emily Yun hard-boils the eggs for 10 minutes before marinating them in mirin and soy and then smoking them. Finally, she mashes them into kewpie mayonnaise, seaweed, and Sichuan pepper. Yun says the hard boil is essential for a sturdy and flavorful egg salad. So here you go. Chefs are going to bring you the hard boiled egg. You know who's already been doing this? Uh, 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 Jar. Wait a second. Why am oh, I blanking Suzanne on her name? Tracks. We know her. Suzanne Tract. There's a, there's a very beautiful, lovely restaurant in Los Angeles, and it's actually in our neighborhood. It's called Jar. You've You've seen seen it in in a lot of movies because she's got an interior that is gorgeous and enviable. It's where Emma Stone dumps her fiancé in La La Land. Yeah, it provides you with... Wait a second. Is it? Yes. Isn't that a smokehouse? No. Okay. Anyway, um, a gorgeous, enviable interior with wood paneling, like beautiful wood paneling Mm -hmm. and a carpeted floor. It's not very hushed. Yeah. Kind of restaurant atmosphere. But anyway, and the food at Jar is really, so great. really great. And last year for our anniversary, we went to dinner there. And you, for an appetizer, ordered the, uh, uh, it was like caviar topped or crab topped? Crab topped. Uh, hard boiled uh, eggs. Hard boiled eggs. And I thought, all right, I hate hard boiled eggs. But if I'm going to have one, it's going to be from this place. Yeah. I'm going to try it. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to get over my problem with hard boiled eggs. And I tried one. They were really good. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And I thought, okay, I will eat a hard-boiled egg from Jar. That is where I, I will eat hard-boiled eggs. a hard-boiled egg I grew egg up from. eating them. I love... Yeah. I, I, one, of, one of the places that we get delivery from, Dumpling Monster. Yes. They have some kind of pork dish that always comes with those tea eggs. Yeah. Those hard-boiled eggs, that have, I guess they've been like soaked in tea, so the whites are now like gray. Brown. They're brown. Yeah. yeah. And those are really delicious. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you can... If you like, go decode your egg carton with this article from Eater. Again, the name of the article is called Orange is the New Yolk. And she very helpfully provides 
explanation of all the things that you might see on your carton of fancy eggs. So uh, expressions and phrases such as, I'm scrolling down to get it, certified humane, mm-hmm. which is something uh, uh, provided by a third-party organization that is unaffiliated with the USDA. Okay. What cage-free means in a legal sense, what free-range means in a legal sense, pasture-raised, uh, pasture again, of an expression that is not regulated by the USDA. Organic is certified by the USDA. Yes. Uh, no added hormones. She says, this is purely a marketing tactic. <laughs> <laughs> no hens are allowed to be treated with hormones. The FDA prohibits it. Oh, gotcha. Um, There's no poison in our apples. Yeah. Yeah. And then the idea of the omega-3 enriched means that the hens were fed diets high in the fatty acids that they would miss out on if they are not eating worms and bugs, which means they may be eating fish oil, chia seeds, or even algae. Yeah. Okay. And if they're orange yolks, they might be eating turmeric and marigold <laughs> and uh, beets, apparently, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. Turn it that sort of ready orange. Uh, yeah. Clever. Yeah. So anyway... What a fascinating article this was. I don't know what I'm going to do with this information <laughs> because I'm going to keep on buying the fancy eggs because they taste good. They seem right to me. But now I want to try one of those black copper marins. Well, How do sure. I get one of those? I don't know that I've even noticed them in a grocery store. Uh, I'm going to start looking. Uh, I've never I mean, smelled I'll, them in the wild. If it, listen, I don't know how much they're going to cost, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But I do want to try because one. Because Dave... Yeah, we, we have, have a, a food, food podcast. podcast. I know, I know, I know. I want to try one. I want to know what this tastes like. Yeah. I have to taste things. And I also want to know, like, very is important it, to me. does this really make a difference or is this just some new sort of like trendy food thing that they're, you know, inflating to make us spend more money on the same right. old thing? Uh, so here's uh, another thing that I've recently stumbled across. There's a woman, she's an artist. Uh, her name is Sonali Manisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's Canadian. Okay. Uh, last year, she put out a zine called Depression Cooking. Yeah. Was, we, we, know, we, we know somebody who had a de- depression baking thing going for a while. Can you explain what you, meant, what you mean by that uh, or what that person meant by she that? She had, like, I think she was, she was doing kind of a series of online, like, recipes and photos, but talking about how she was depressed and that baking okay. was making her feel better. Okay. Then that's exactly what this is about as ah. well. Because I don't want anyone to confuse it with the somewhat well-known series of YouTube videos that were done by a, uh, now she's passed away, uh, but an, an, a, 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 a senior lady, a grandmother, uh, who was born and raised during the Depression. Oh, right. And who was doing Depression-era yes. food and recipes showing her grandson who turned the camera on her. Right. And it became a very popular set of YouTube videos. This is the other kind of depression. This is the other kind of depression. This is the kind of depression that people all uh, experience. So, uh, Sonali Manisas put out a zine called Depression Cooking. And, lucky everyone, it's free. Uh, I think initially there might have been some paper uh, copies of it that were made. Mm-hmm. But now what you can do is download the PDF through her on the internet uh, for free. I will post the link to it on Patreon after we post this episode so that okay. you too can go get it if you want it. I downloaded it. It's about 20 pages long. It's about a 20-page PDF. And in the middle of it, she begins with her depression cooking manifesto, which I will not read in its entirety because it is very 
uh, long, too long to read, but here are some highlights. First bit, first sentence. Is it edible? Cool. Put it in your mouth. <laughs> it is better to eat something than nothing. We are in the business of surviving, baby. <laughs> we eat in the face of depression. Breakfast for every day of the meal. For, sorry, breakfast for every meal of the day? Yes, we say. <laughs> in the depression cooking meal plan, there are no, uh, there are no bad foods. All foods have some nutrition, and all foods feed our bellies. Individually wrapped microwavable TV dinners? Good. <laughs> because an individualist, consumerist choice is not going to save the planet. Systemic change does. Industries are our largest polluters. Not you. You are a human trying to survive under the crushing weight of capitalism. You are doing just fine, sunshine. <laughs> Mac and cheese is the very first food group. <laughs> Shame will get you nowhere. Worship the Holy Trinity. Mac and cheese, instant ramen, and the rest of it cuts off. Sorry, I don't know what it is. <laughs> this is the foundation. It doesn't cut off because the PDF cuts off. It cuts off because my laptop is cutting it off. Uh. When you are too depressed to chew, make a smoothie. When you are too depressed to blend, drink an Ensure. <laughs> cheese and crackers will always do. Is it edible? Cool. Put it in your mouth. So this makes me love her immediately. <laughs> um, because, you know, everybody gets depressed. Some people have clinical depression that lasts forever. And, and it's something that you have to deal with and live with on a regular, you know, day in, day out basis. But everybody gets situationally depressed. Everybody gets exhausted and in need of something that, that, that the joke you and I always make. Could it, could it just float into my mouth, please? Because I'm just not dealing with life today. It begins with some general tips. Uh, I'll pop through some of these. Uh, listen to music while you, while you eat. Mm. A meal replacement drink can do wonders when you're not up for eating or cooking. Now, I have recently discovered, rediscovered, the uh, the ease and pleasure of ensure yes because I recently had some pretty invasive dental work and the dentist was like you need to go get a bunch of this stuff <laughs> and not chew anything that's going to interrupt or deal or hurt the healing of your gum um you know that or soylent or whatever you can order soylent from the internet you can get yeah. that but you just put that in the fridge and it is basically it's a whole meal that you oh, yeah. drink in about 15 seconds. There is no such thing as clean eating. That's another general tip. Oh, boy. Think about foods that excite you and make you happy or give you comfort. Give yourself permission to eat them. Do you have a friend or family member who wants to cook for you? Let them. Eating ready-made foods is totally okay. <laughs> this includes takeout, delivery, frozen meals. And if you are up to cooking... Make two portions if you can, one to eat in the moment and one to eat later for when you're too bummed out to cook. Yeah, smart. So this zine covers, and there are like 30 more little tips on this page, but the next pages cover frozen foods, her favorite frozen foods. Mm -hmm. her, the idea she has of breakfast for every meal of the day, uh, things that you can eat just by grabbing them, a banana, a granola bar. 
an avocado that you just cut in half and scoop out with a spoon after putting some salt and pepper on it. Uh, oatmeal, scrambled eggs, what she refers to as the depression parfait of yogurt, banana, slices, granola, some berries if you have them. Chia puddings. Craft <laughs> uh, macaroni and cheese. Oh. If you've got the energy to spend 15 minutes making that. Uh, frozen vegetables that you thaw out and just scoop up in your hand. All the different kinds of smoothies that you want to make. And then something that she refers to as adult Lunchables. And I really love this. I was always so envious of the kids whose parents packed them Lunchables for lunch when I got homemade chicken curry sandwiches. And my first thought is, ooh, homemade chicken curry sandwich. <laughs> I thought adult Lunchables were charcuterie. <laughs> in hindsight, curry sandwiches were much better. Yeah. <laughs> but in the fourth grade, I wanted to be cool. <laughs> and despite the small portion sizes, I have learned one thing. The parents who were sending their kids to school with Lunchables were depression cooking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in my adult life, this envy of the Lunchables kids has translated into one thing, adult Lunchables. The formula is simple. Adult Lunchables are assemblage meals with no cooking involved. Now, you and I do this because it is a very Spanish thing. Yes. That your family has always referred to as Pica pica, right? And it's akin to tapas. In it's a way. akin to tapas. What it is, what it is, is you're just buying a bunch of stuff and putting it in little bowls or on plates and eating it fresh from the fridge. Yeah. After letting the cheese get to room temperature and the chorizo getting to room temperature. Yeah. The olives and the nuts and the little tortas and maybe you some, name it. Maybe some cornichon. Maybe yeah. some tinned fish. Yes. All of that kind of stuff. That's the Spanish adult lunchable that yeah. we do all the time in the summer when it gets too hot yeah. to do anything else. Maybe some uh, crusty bread. So anyway, she goes into a lot of different ideas for what she refers to as adult lunchables. The no-fry kimchi fried rice uh, that she makes with uh, uh, minute rice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kind that's already, sometimes the kind that's already pre-cooked sure. in the packet. You just microwave it. Right. She is all about how fast can you get something reasonably good into your mouth. Mm. Or maybe even not reasonably good, just something that will keep you from going hungry. Yeah. Because the number one rule of the zine, as, as I stated... Eat something. Eat something. It is better to eat something than nothing. And then finally, the topic of my dreams. A thousand things to put on toast. <laughs> She doesn't have a thousand things here, but she's got the start of a thousand things. And I'm reading these things and going, yep, 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 yep. That done, too, it, done it, that done it, dude, need done it, it, done it, done it. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then she's got a whole list of other combinations of store-bought things you can just throw together. Now, what this means is you have to go to the store. Sure. If you're going to do any of this cooking, you're going to have to go to the store. Even if it's to get things that you're just going to pull out of the fridge or the pantry and just or, put in your mouth. Or Instacart. Instacart. Delivery. I'll tell you something. Grocery delivery has saved me during this hip arthritis movement. Yeah. This hip arthritis moment that I've been going through, grocery delivery has saved my body. And it has saved you 
from running to the store all the time when I say, oh, I need blah, blah, blah. Or, hey, we need to do a week's worth of yeah. pantry. Which, and I'm always pantry. happy to, I'm happy to you go. You are, but you're very busy yeah. doing other things. What's, so. what's interesting about this is, and obviously it's different for every person, when I have depression, I want to eat. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Know, great quantities of things that are not good for me at all, but that are comforting. Yeah. You know, give me an entire pint of ice cream. Give me a pot of Kraft macaroni and right, cheese, right. or even better, Swedish Mac. Yeah. Um, now, I'll be doing a variation on this this week while you're gone, because with you out of the house for a week going off to the Venice Film Festival, I don't have to cook anything for anybody. Right. And Not that what? you have to cook for me. I have to cook for you, or else you will become feral. <laughs> I am the cook in this home, and you need meals. <laughs> and I like to make you happy with cooking. It is a pleasure in my life to make you say the magic words <laughs> at the end of the meal. Como te ha salido. That's right. That's Spanish, and it means how well it turned out for you. <laughs> and what that really means is how well it turned out for all of us. <laughs> and how full of, full of well-being we are right now. Yes. That's what that means. And I know that I've done it when you say that. And, I've, and it's, it's, it's my nightly goal when I put a, food, a, plate, a plate of food down in front of you and say, eat it. <laughs> You're chasing that dragon. Yeah. So um, I'll be doing that a lot this week. I'll be just doing a lot of things that take five minutes. Assemblage. Yeah, because I have so many other home tasks to attend to while you're gone mm -hmm. that I've been like putting off and putting off and putting off because we're always producing these podcasts and you're right. writing movie reviews and you being here is in my way. <laughs> Just inherently, you're in my way. Uh, and you get to go wild this week with tomato and cucumber tomatoes and all the and things cucumbers that I don't want And eat. kimchi and all the things you don't want. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally what's happening. Um, so, again, Sonali Menezes, M-E-N-E-Z-E-S, uh, I'm going to post the link to the PDF that you can download. It's a very, it's a very fun, it's very informative, and it's really inspirational. This this zine that she made, um, because I know people who do listen to this podcast sometimes they just listen to it and they don't they don't run out and do things like buy ingredients they've never heard of before because they want to try it and use it in a recipe. Yeah. And I'm going to spend know, a week assembling a cassoulet. I'm going to spend a week assembling a cassoulet for 14 people who are coming over for Easter. Like I am an, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a project oriented person. <laughs> and, and I, and I love to be in the kitchen and I love to be making things. And so, but there are people who read cookbooks like speculative fiction. Yeah, I guess. Yes. And so, <laughs> So what this zine is about is for people who, you know, might be like me, but maybe definitely are not like me, mm -hmm. who just need to get something in their mouth. Yeah. And I really love this. I really, I really appreciate its existence in the world. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited to share this with everybody. All right. In the recent episodes, we've been talking about celebrity-themed restaurants that failed. Yes. Um. And we've, we've done this off and on for a long time. <laughs> There's uh, so many of them. There are so many of them. Uh, Mini Pearl's Fried Chicken. Uh, Pat Boone's Dino Mat. Pat Boone's Dino Mat. The Fashion Cafe. The Fashion Cafe. Uh, 
Now, if you are a person who lives on the internet a little too much, you have seen a fake advertisement. <laughs> you have seen a fake advertisement for Mickey Rooney's Potato, Potato Fantasy. Fantasy. A place that never existed. Yes, except in our dreams. But the reason it was such a good fake is because legendary Hollywood Golden Age star Mickey Rooney put his name on all kinds of wild businesses that didn't last. Yeah. And he did, in fact, have his name on a restaurant that was around for a couple years, and then it all kind of went away. But it was the most long-lasting food thing he was associated with, and it was called Mickey's Weenie World. (laughs) Of course it was. (laughs) And here's what they did. You would go to Mickey's Weenie World, and you would order... From the hot dog menu. The greatest hot dog in the world. And you could get uh, the plain. You could get the Eric Von Weenie, which was a sauerkraut <laughs> one. You could get the Poncho Weenie. That was a chili, chili dog. Mm. You could get the Yankee Doodle Weenie. That was with cheese. The Reuben Weenie, cheese and sauerkraut. The Marco Weenie with onions. The Hawaiian Weenie. Pineapple and raisins. Oh! The Micklish weenie, relish, and the round the world weenie with everything. They also sold hamburgers, french fries, onion rings, sundaes, homemade chili, beverages. The french fries were called the Mickey Rooney french fries. (laughs) Because why not? But here's what was unusual about the weenies. They were round and came on a hamburger bun. What? Yeah. They were hot dog meat. Oh, they were circular. They were hot dog meat, and they were circular like a hamburger, and you ate it in a a hamburger bun. So were they like, was there a void in the middle? That I don't know, because I've not seen a photo of the actual product. I've just seen the advertising and the marketing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, There's a great newspaper ad that I'll post (laughs) on Patreon (laughs) for the Long Island... uh, outpost of this place that was that opened in the uh, 19, 1982. Wow. Where it's a picture of Mickey Rooney in a tweed hat. It says, hi, Long Island, you're number one. The Mick wants you to come to his grand opening Sunday, April 25th. I don't know if he was there. I, I would assume so. Uh, but then who It knows? was in uh, 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 Massapequa uh, near the Sunrise Mall, if that name means anything to anybody. <laughs> and... I just love this so much because he had so many crazy things. That dude had, what, 10 wives over the course of his life? And something like 12 crazy. 12 like kids or something. So, like, he was always on the make for something to make some money because he spent it as soon as he earned it. Uh, he had a watermelon soda named after him. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Slap Rooney's. Slap that name on something. Mickey Rooney's Lovely Lady Cosmetics. Yeah. Ripoffs, which were. <clears throat> Sexy disposable panties. That's see, uh, and a soft drink for dogs called Puppy Pop. These were all named. And these were real things. These are real okay. things. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a picture of the watermelon soda. It all seems fake. <laughs> yeah, you would think. <laughs> he was the king. Mickey Rooney was the king of just putting your name on something. Yeah, and and hoping getting it out the there best. and was hoping <laughs> hoping that spaghetti would stick to the wall. <laughs> Mickey Rooney spaghetti. 
Oh, we shall never see his like again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we shall not. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that's our time. Um, once again, thank you for listening. If uh, if you've never heard Linoleum Knife and Fork before, but we've got you hungry for more, yeah. uh, go to Linoleum. Uh, go to our Linoleum Knife uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash linoleum knife and look into becoming a subscriber. You'll be glad you did. If you're already... We, a, we will be glad you did. We, very much so. And if yeah. you're already a Patreon subscriber, as always, thank you for being here. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks when I'm... Uh, or next week? I don't know. The time is Sometime at the beginning of September after yes. Alonzo comes after home Labor from Day. and has a long nap. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll have a reportage on um, gelato and other things. I yeah. Guess. So until then, eat them up yum. <laughs>